Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, you know, I got to tell you that all of the news surrounding the Silicon Valley bank failure and seizure by the federal government, as well as now Signature Bank, and the FDIC stating that all of the depositors will be insured, even those that exceeded the $250,000 insurer limit, will be insured. I got to tell you that I'm so disgusted by this entire situation. I'm disgusted because people like my upcoming guest, Jennifer Taub predicted that this would happen. I'm disgusted by the fact that, you know, during the Obama administration, as we were watching banks being greedy as fuck, which predicated the foreclosure crisis, and none of those executives being held accountable any which way for ruining the American dream and the lives of millions of people. Fast forward to Peter Thiel, an ultra wealthy white man who via tweet is able to destabilize the banking industry. And I think to myself, why the fuck do these people have so much fucking power? And it's because we've allowed for the rich to become ultra wealthy and that we have the regulators, right? Those that are supposed to regulate our institutions receive donations from the very people that they are responsible for regulating. And then we wonder why shit like this happens because they just bide their time until their friends and cronies come into office. They get their ways so that they can buy their fifth house or their fifth fucking plane. You should not have that type of excessive wealth when there are people that are going hungry. 
where the federal government is totally fine to step in and bail out, right? These fucking banks. But when it comes to those that are accessing, trying their damnedest to access the American dream via student loans to go to college. Oh no, you see fights and lawsuits being waged to make sure that the middle class and the working class remain exactly in the place that they are. There won't be any fucking lawsuits that are waged and political fights that are fought over this. I'm just so sick of the shit. You know, I'm so sick of the shit and I'm so sick of being lied to. It's greed folks. And unlike Gordon Gecko said back on wall street, greed is not good. Greed is actually fucking catastrophic. So coming up next, my conversation with my friend, Jennifer Taub, the author of Big Dirty Money. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, dad. Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Folks, I am always so thrilled when a friend of the show and friend of mine, the author of Big Dirty Money, Jennifer Taub, makes the time to join us on Woke AF. Because, folks, when there is capitalism and greed and finances amiss in this country, there's only one person that I go to to make sense of the nonsense, and that is you, Jen Taub. So let's jump right in. All of the news, all the rage right now is around Silicon Valley Bank and the fact that the federal government has seized Silicon Valley Bank as well as, I believe, Signature Bank, another 
regional bank that essentially there has been a run on these banks with depositors feeling uncertain that their deposits of over $250,000 will be covered when the federal government says, we got you and we're not going to use taxpayer dollars in order to insure your deposits, but we're going to use this quote unquote pot that all banks pay into when things like this happen. Jen, you give us your 50,000 foot view of what happened with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and what is happening in banking right now. I'm so glad you asked me because um, I just finished working on a piece that when I have it, I'll share it. I'm writing um, an opinion piece for MSNBC. So Mm -hmm. it's fresh in my mind. Um, So one thing, before I kind of go through the really key details that I think are easy to understand if you actually pay attention and are not just spinning people for a living, you mentioned that um, there's this promise that taxpayers will never pay for these bailouts because it's going to come out of some fund banks pay into. Well, the deposit insurance fund that the FDIC has, if it runs dry, it gets refilled. But in these situations, yes, there will be a future assessment on banks. That's the promise. The problem is back during the Dodd-Frank era, right mm-hmm. after the 2008 financial crisis, I was one of the people helping work um and encourage stronger legislation than we actually got. And one thing we were arguing for um, was to pre-fund that rescue fund. Um, we were uh, we were looking um, we were actually uh, looking for a special assessment of 150 billion dollars to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pre-fund, uh, and that got shot down. People said it would encourage banks to fail. Not really. No one wanted to to pay into the pre-fund. So that's one thing. But let, let's let's talk about what happened. And I, before I get the details, I want to make clear a couple things. One, this is not the same thing as the global financial meltdown of 2008. There is going to be contagion, but it's not going to be as bad. That's one thing. Two, okay. it's not no big deal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. three, I blame not just Congress but I also blame the Fed, who may, who took advantage of a giant rollback of the Dodd-Frank law in 2018 um, and made it worse. Um, and I, I, I don't want to be here saying I told you so, but I flip and have to say, you know, what I wrote about this in 2008, I mm-hmm. told you so. You know, so whatever. I mean, I wasn't the only one. It's not about that I did. What makes me the most angry about this situation is this would not have happened if Congress had not under rolled back Dodd-Frank and Trump signed that law. But the problem is, in this case, Danielle, I'm going to be perfectly frank, it wasn't just the Republicans in Congress. Got it. There were a big chunk of supporters. At that time, the House was um, in Democratic control. And though the Senate wasn't, Mitch McConnell needed at least, he needed 60 votes to get this through. And he didn't have them, but he got the votes he needed from Democrats. It's infuriating. Okay. One last thing is Silicon Valley Bank, which I'm sure you've heard this in the news, Silicon Valley Bank was one of the banks lobbying for the rollback. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. And in fact, they they thought it was laughable that the kinds of restrictions and oversight on them um, 
should be should exist. They called them, you know, they called themselves a midsize bank, which at the time uh, they were. And then once the the ceiling for this special special heightened scrutiny and stress tests and stuff was fifty billion dollars, as soon as right. that was lifted to two fifty, lo and behold, they did rapid growth, and they grew from a bank just at that level, well above it to until they failed two hundred billion. That never would have happened without this rollback. I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I was going to ask for an explanation for people to understand what the threshold was, what they had to have been holding, when they needed to begin stress testing, and how that number was $50 billion. And at the time that Silicon Valley Bank was seized by the feds, they had a holding of $209 billion, Right. On so paper. They're well within. Wait, 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 wait. On paper. On paper. On paper. Yeah. They're well within, though, right? They're, they were well within the new deregulation that Donald Trump signed into 20, in 2018 because they didn't make it to 250. They got to 200, and then their whole ship started to crumble. Explain to us what exactly happened. Jen, with the, they got to two, like what exactly was happening? And also, what do we think the executives were doing when they started to sell off their shares about a week or so before the actual collapse of the bank? Okay, so two things. One, for those folks who are interested sort of generally in what is banking about and how banks fail. I have a new substack called Follow the Money. And I just put something up. Great. My Monday column is always called On the Money. And I put an excerpt from testimony of mine before the Senate Banking Committee in 2016. And that testimony was about how these things called capital and liquidity um, should not be loosened up for banks. I'm not going to get into what that is, but if you read that, I think it will become clear um, but the fundamentals there, which are kind of necessary for talking about this, is that, as everyone probably knows, banks take deposits and banks make loans. People know that. Mm -hmm. But banks don't just um, take deposits and, and make loans. They also, um, they also take that deposit money and invest it in other things like treasury securities and mortgage-backed securities and so on, right? Um, people also... Don't think if you have deposits in a bank, you you know, Daniel, you just mentioned that it's insured up to two hundred fifty thousand. It used to be a hundred thousand, but you are essentially a lender to the bank, mm -hmm. right? When you're a depositor, they they at any time you can ask for your money back. Similarly, um, the 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 loans if I, the bank makes a loan, a mortgage loan or a, a commercial loan to a business, those loans are the bank's assets. They make money because they pay an interest. And hopefully when you sell them, you sell them for a profit or at least break even. So you can sort of think of it that way. In traditional banking, the way the bank makes money is the amount of interest it's bringing in on its loans. Mm -hmm. Let's say it's bringing in, you know, six, this would be a dream, but this is the example people give historically. Bank, bank uh, has loans that pay 6%. It pays depositors 3% and it makes a difference on the money on the spread. That's kind of the general idea of banking. Let's think of something a little bit different when you think about banking in reality, though, too. Have you ever noticed that if you want to get, like, let's say you want to get a, a, um, a bank loan 
um, for for a mortgage to, to buy a house. Often the bank will say, well, you know, we'll give you a cheaper rate if you um, if you bank with us, right? Mm-hmm. If you keep them. Similarly here, let's say you went to something like Silicon Valley Bank and you were a, a business that wanted to get a loan from them. And let's say they gave you a million, you needed like $5 million or whatever. They want you to keep that money in their bank. So the, on the one hand, the $5 million is showing up as a loan, mm-hmm. as an asset of theirs. On the other hand, you've now got $5 million on deposit with them. Well, some of it you're going to be using to buy stuff, but you're also going to be, whenever you bring in money from customers, you're going to be depositing it with them. So there's a little bit of an overlap relationship. Okay. So let's, let's, let's leave that. Okay. Let's leave that be. So you understand how this works. Now, one of the biggest risks bank face is that, um, this maturity transformation deposits can be taken out on demand, but the loan, that mortgage loan, it's 30 years or that, that, uh, corporate loan, it's 10 years. So, the only if you get too many depositors saying, "I want my money now," how does the bank pay the depositors? They have to sell the loans. That's fine, you would think, except in a rising interest rate environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We are in a rising interest rate environment. And here's why. Remember how I told you, okay, what if you had some loans on the books? Let's say your loans on the books are only paying two percent interest. But let's say the Fed has raised rates and now it's four mm-hmm. percent. That means no one wants to buy your dumb two percent paying loan. If you're trying to sell that loan, and you keep it on the books at the price you bought it at, let's say that you bought the loan for $100,000, it's not worth as much anymore because someone can go out there and buy, another bank could buy a loan from someone else that's paying in 4% interest. This is a lower yielding loan. So the problem here is this. Banks like SVB, when it grew, remember I told you it was below $50 billion? Yep. It grew super fast. Um, and the way it grew super fast between 2018 in 2021, like huge, huge growth, is it bought a lot of treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities in that era. But those were very, very low interest rates. They didn't manage their interest rate risk, and they didn't have to write down those loans. So those loans that they had, you know, you know, let's say you have $100 billion worth of loans that are not any, not worth $100 billion anymore because the interest rates are so low and people want to buy higher yielding loans. The way the county rules work is the Fed doesn't require the bank, even as the interest rates up go up, to realize – those are called unrealized losses. So it's a big, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's a mm-hmm. big landmine on the balance sheet. Everything is fine until depositors want their money out. And if they want their money out and you go to sell at a fire sale, those – loans, you're going to have a loss. That's exactly what happened to SVB last week. So SVB, which grew really rapidly, didn't manage its interest rate risk over the years, didn't hedge it properly. And frankly, didn't have to, Jen, right? Because in in terms of what it what is required, right? they didn't break the well, law. Admit, yes. Right? No, they didn't break the law. And what's even worse about this, remember, I, I'm talking about these these assets that they have. What I didn't mention that's really important that you alluded to at the beginning is it has all these depositors, right? So it had $209 billion in assets. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. only had $175 billion in customer deposits. The problem was these were not normal customer deposits. It is very unusual. If you look at a chart of these, the nature of these deposits, um, over 90% of those deposits were uninsured. Businesses who put their money there above the $250,000 per account. Um, a, some of those businesses were businesses that were startups or in the crypto space. Mm-hmm. So those these are very runnable assets. Which like is runnable, what they specialized in. Runnable liabilities. Remember, and I think what SVB often did is they said, if you want to 
us to give you a loan, you have to put your deposits with us. I'm not sure if they always said that, but I get the sense that that might have been a, a goodie that they wanted or they asked for. Um, okay, so these are highly runnable uh, deposits. We call this hot money. So hotter than most because it's it's businesses that are more likely to take their money in and out for payroll. But also in this case, whenever they had the money over 250000 they knew if this bank failed, they didn't want to be last in line. And they knew that the FDIC didn't insure this. They could have had to take haircuts or lost a good chunk of their deposit. So what happens is like um, a few days before the run, FDIC chairman Martin Grunberg, and the FDIC is the one that runs this deposit insurance fund, he mentioned that across the banking sector, there were substantial unrealized losses. These are the holes in the balance sheet where it's almost like you've got two set of books. The official set of books are holding them at purchase value, but the actual reality is they're really not worth that if they had to be sold. He said the banking system has over $620 billion in unrealized losses. He says this. Um, there are folks that are sniffing around like Peter Thiel and other people in Silicon Valley, and they put out the bat signal. First, Peter Thiel sells um, all of his sales. He withdraws um, all of his 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 money he has on deposit. Um, he, uh, he has something called the Founders Fund. He said he put, withdraws all of his money with SVB, and then someone else puts out a bad signal, and they say, get your money out. I, mean, I think he did too. And so there's a run. Everyone wants their money. So what does the CEO of um, SVB have to do? They have to sell. And when they went and sold around $20 billion of securities, they had a loss of $1.8 billion. Mm. So, you know, when we were talking about, yeah, in theory, they had a capital cushion in there. You know, they had 209 in assets and 175 in deposits. And really, really that 209 wasn't going to bear that out. So this run continues. This is on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. On Thursday, they they, they t- said they had to raise, they wanted to raise capital. No one, they couldn't find many takers to raise capital. Um, in other words, new new um, stock and new preferred stock. And so basically uh, the stock price plummets on Thursday, literally the day after they announce they need to raise more money because of that you know, fire sale. And then fear spreads and the regulators in California seize the bank, put it under FDIC control. This is on, on Thursday. On Friday, um, on Friday, the, uh, the, I don't know if it's, I think I'm getting to Friday, but at any way, at some point we have the FDIC announcing that um, anyone who was insured will be covered, would be fine, mm-hmm. be covered, but not, not that but people who were uninsured might get less. And then, then you know, everyone goes whining. You know, all the uh, these uninsured depositors, which are largely businesses who knew the risk, who knew they should have spread that money across many banks and bank accounts. Um, they complained enough um, that um, that the regulators decided on um, Sunday. Um, this is the Fed, the FDIC, and Treasury. Mm-hmm. They decided that they would um, cover all depositors, including including the uninsured. So they said that on Sunday, and that's at the same time they did the same thing for Signature uh, Bank. In addition to this, though, besides that, showing that it's not just these two banks, the Fed announced us a new, what they call it, a, it's like a bailout facility. It's basically a fund to bail out any other banks. And this reminds me of the financial crisis 2008, because they basically said, we will buy at par value, like at, at face value, any securities, like any of these low interest rate securities that other banks have on their books, will pay the fake value for them so that you don't have to experience these unrealized losses. 
Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. So, Jim... Let, I know me, I, you're going to lose let, your mind right now. You're going to be. I, 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 I am. Are you thinking about student loans right now? Because I no, am. I, 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 I'm thinking. I'm thinking about a couple of things, and so I want to start with Peter Thiel. I want to start with him because this goes to my belief in the fact that the American oligarch system is out of fucking control. That I want people to understand and all of the rundown and economics 101 and 102 that you gave us, that it was one person that started via tweet a run on Silicon Valley Bank, right? This is, and it was not the president of the United States. It was not the head of the Federal Reserve. One ultra wealthy white man via tweet, started a run on this bank. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are in this torture. And by the way, please, it makes sense for him, right? Because he, apparently he, I think he, that's that's the bank a lot of startups bank at. And he's told people to do it. And I think he has people, and my understanding is, you know, his people investing in his funds go there. His doing that and getting the bad signal out resulted in everyone organizing, doing this run, and then it resulted in these uninsured depositors. Being covered. I, 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 I understand. Being covered because they organized. You should say, but right. So you're saying, is this broken? Oh, no, it's functioning how they want it to function. No, it's functioning how, <laughs> how they want it to function. And when 
you say, oh, are you thinking about student loans? Of course I am, right? Of course I am. Because again, we are functioning inside of a system that is built to make sure that wealthy people remain whole. I mean, where this is, you know, when I listened to the oral argument at the Supreme Court on the student loans, and I and I wrote about this for my Substack. The the key thing, as you know, is the the not not the key reason why this is being attacked, but the legal arguments are that the depart that the Secretary of Education didn't have the authority, even though Congress gave him emergency authority, including to cancel student loans. They didn't have the authority to do this, even though he did it, and that the, that the Supreme Court should second guess them. Here we have the Fed. Mm-hmm. creating one of these facilities to bail out the entire banking system using their authority under 13.3 of the Federal Reserve Act, which is less flippin' clear than the Department of Education's authority was. And you're not going to see, I'll tell you, I, I don't think we're going to see a challenge win at the Supreme Court on this. I'm trying to remember because now. Because why would wealthy people challenge themselves? Well, there might have people been- are only going to challenge the poor, right? That, and challenge the less advantaged. What I need to go back and look is I'm trying. I'm remembering that there might have been back in 2015 or 16 some kind of challenge to this. I need to go back and look, but I, I know it. All, the bailouts held up. Uh, maybe there was a challenge. I can't. I should go back and look and see how it was treated at the time. But fundamentally, um, you know, fundamentally, this is it's 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 not even about the law. It's the deeply unfair way these narratives are spying. Yes. You see all these people saying, oh, don't think of it as the these stupid bankers. Um, think about these poor depositors who don't know better. And no, it's not all Silicon Valley chieftains. This little lady, you know, who from wherever she's from, I saw this thing. I started my own startup and it's not just the big businesses. It's me. And, you know, it's me and my five people and like their American dream. Well, you know what? A lot of us have an American dream. A lot yep. of students have American yep. dreams. And yep. They are just, it, it just the, it, I even see there's some good people on the news talking about this, but there's some people that I have seen, some talking heads who keep emphasizing that, you know, it's not just big businesses. You know what? Listen, anyone who has more than $250,000 in a single account knew what they were getting themselves into, period. And I've seen people argue with me on Twitter saying, yeah, but they couldn't have gotten as good of a rate if they hadn't gone to this bank and that's what the bank probably required, I'm like, that's their choice. I shouldn't have to bail out them for making that choice. That's not, or we need to have a different system where we decide if the government's going to backstop this, if the government's going to pay for a military, the government should pay for school, should pay for, it's just amazing to me that when there's this thing that I wrote in the piece, I don't know if I'll make it through the edit, but there, just like there are no atheists in foxholes, there are no capitalists and bank failures. No, because they're all socialists at that point, right? They were before. I mean, yeah. It becomes so stark, Jen, I guess, is the injustices, the inequities, the fact that the ultra wealthy are just going to continue to get wealthy, are going to continue to be made whole. And they are made whole by causing holes in the middle class and in the working class. And until we actually have a government that sees the needs of the middle class and the working class and the poor above the ultra wealthy, nothing is ever going to change. And the fact is, is that, you know, much in the same way that we look to the police 
to write police reports with accuracy about their own wrongdoing. We look to the federal government, which is filled with people who receive donations from the very people who they are in charge of regulating. And until, and until that actually stops, which it won't, this will continue over and over and over again every 5, 10, 15, 20 fucking years. This will be the headline. People will say we'll need more regulation. A Republican will get in office. Well, you know, and then fascism will just rain down because we won't have democracy to move forward. So what happens? Well, what I'm hoping for is something I saw my friend Dennis Kelleher suggest. He runs Better Markets, which is a nonprofit, nonpartisan kind of think tank around um, market functioning. He's a good guy. And he wants there to be an independent investigation of what went down at the Fed. Right now, um, someone inside the Fed has said, we're, we're going to do this thing and ourselves and, and put out a report by May. And Dennis is like, no, and it shouldn't even be the inspector general for the Fed. You would have some independent other inspector general look at what happened because this was a tremendous failure of supervision, even though this bank managed to get out of some of the more serious um, oversight. There's no reason why it should have been taking on this kind of interest rate risk or having such a non-diversified funding um, on, on its liability side. And the San Francisco Fed, as well as the Fed, um, you know, the central bank itself needs to be investigated. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you just saw that but but the, the biggest the other thing is, you know, we need to, as you know, Elizabeth Warren said last night, you know, we need to, and Katie Porter, we need to roll back the we need to cancel the law that rolled back Dodd Frank and we need to actually reopen the debates around Dodd Frank and put back in the stuff that we were arguing for that we didn't get into the final legislation. Yeah. Well, like the prefund. Or I also yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. Good luck with that, and I won't hold my breath because I'd rather not pass out and hit my head on my computer. Jennifer <laughs> Tob, we will have you back again as this continues to unfold, but to have more conversations about immense greed and the American oligarch that we don't yeah. talk about. We're all about seizing yachts and private planes and multiple homes of of Russian oligarchs, but we speak nothing on the technocrats and the American <laughs> oligarchs that run everything in our lives. So as always, dear friend, we appreciate you. So good to see you. That is it for me today here, friends, on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. 
People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.